0: To the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse by verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the famine in Bethlehem as we pick up in Ruth chapter 1, verse 2. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: In the land of Bethlehem, there was a famine, there was a drought. They heard that there was good land over in Moab and so Elimelech decided to sell out and with his wife and two sons move over to Moab which is the high plateau country across the great rift, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea over on the other side the high plateau country which is a very fertile area. So they moved over to Moab And while they were there, Elimelech died And so the boys married girls from Moab The one married a girl by the name of Orpah The other married a girl by the name of Ruth And it came to pass in time that both of the boys also died without having any children. And so Naomi said to the two daughters-in-law, go back and return to your families, to your mother's house, and may the Lord deal kindly with you even as you have dealt with the dead and with me. So during this period of family tragedy, these two girls actually showed a real depth of character. They they were very kind to Naomi and the comforting of Naomi. They took their tragedy very well. And so Naomi is wishing them that they also might receive the same degree of kindness that they have displayed unto her. And the Lord grant That you find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband So may may you both find some good boys and get married May may you have a happy married life May you you find someone else And may you live at rest in the house of your husband So she's just encouraging the girls Hey girls, you know, you're better off here You're better off with your families And you're better off just getting married here with, with someone else and so the two girls went with her for a while on the way back. And so they, they wept and all, and, and then Ruth, I mean, Naomi said to them again, Look, girls, I am really too old to have any more sons. And even if I had a hope of having sons, let's say that I was married now and became pregnant tomorrow. Would you want to wait until my sons grew up old enough to get married? You don't want to wait for, and anyhow, it's not going to happen. So you just go ahead and and return home and get, uh, you know, your husbands and get married. And so Orpah fell on her neck and kissed her and bid her farewell and returned to her mother's house. But Ruth then uttered these beautiful words, Entreat me not to leave thee or to forsake thee or to return from following after thee, because where you will go or where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And God forbid if anything but death should separate between us. And so the, the devotion of Ruth to her mother-in-law Look, I'll go with you Don't ask me to leave you Or to forsake you Or to return back to my family Forever, Wherever you go Evidently there was a beautiful bond That was created between daughter-in-law and mother-in-law Very beautiful bond Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And God forbid, if anything but death should separate us. And so they came back into the land. when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her, and the two went till they came to Bethlehem. Now, when they arrived in Bethlehem, the people said, Oh, Naomi has returned. And she said, Don't call me Naomi. Now, let's put it in their language. They said, Oh, pleasantness has returned. She said, Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Mara, bitter. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Now, it is interesting that she sort of blames the tragedy on God. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. There seems to be a natural inclination for us to blame God for our tragedies, and especially for death. When Jesus arrived in Bethany at the time of the death of Lazarus, he had been very sick. His sister sent the urgent message down to the Jordan where Jesus was staying, Come quickly, the one you love is sick. And Jesus tarried there at the Jordan for two days and then headed off for Bethany. Now, for a message to get from Bethany to Jordan took two days. Jesus stayed there an extra two days, and it took him two days to get back to Bethany. So in the meantime, six days had transpired from the time the message went out, your friend is very sick, the one you love is very sick. And it was six days later that Jesus was arriving in Bethany, and the girls knew that it was too late. And they knew that it was actually later than it should be. He could have arrived earlier. They were aware that he was delaying. They didn't know why. And Martha came out to meet him and in an accusing way said, Lord, if you would only have been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, where were you when we needed you? Lord, why didn't you come quicker? We told you, come quickly. The one you love is sick. Lord, what took you so long? Why didn't you respond, Lord? And really, the the idea is she was blaming the death of her brother on the Lord. Lord, you could have averted this. Now, we know that that is true. We know that God does hold life in his hands. We know that God is able to sustain life. We know that God is able to restore life. We know that the days of man are appointed of God And thus there is this inclination to blame God for death And in a sense that is right But in another sense We only feel bitterness because we have a totally wrong concept of death As it being the end Oh, he had his whole life in front of him Everything going for him Oh, what a shame I heard this so much when my younger brother was killed Handsome, good-looking, big guy Just had everything going for him Good sense of business And was making investments And Just everything falling in the line Bought an airplane so he could get back and forth Between his business better Crashed in his airplane People oh, what a shame Whole life in front of him What a shame Yeah, what a shame He got there before I did By the time I arrive he's going to know every nook and cranny. <laughs> it's going to take me a while to catch up. You know he's with the Lord. What's so bad about that? He's there in God's kingdom. What's, you know, what's so sad? The sad part is that I miss him. The sad part that I miss all the fun we used to have together. He was an exciting person And he used to always be doing, you know, crazy things and exciting things And I miss that I sorrow because what I have lost But I don't sorrow for him I'm jealous of him Being with the Lord, how glorious Not having to hassle With gas lines (laughs) With bills And all of the kind of things that we have to experience How wonderful! But I'll catch up with him one of these days But we have the wrong attitude, you see, concerning death We look at this life as though, oh, it is so precious It's so wonderful, hang on to it That's because of the uncertainty of that life that he has promised to us, our lapses of faith. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. That's sad. It's sad whenever you become bitter over any experience of life because bitterness only hurts you. We are warned to be careful of any root of bitterness within our lives because of the effect that it can have on your total life. The bitter roots can bring forth bitter fruit in your life. And we must guard against bitterness. And bitterness is an attitude that I choose because of the circumstances that I face. I don't have to become bitter. I choose to become bitter. For there are other people who go through the exact similar circumstances and they become better people because they learn to commit and trust in God all the more. They say, well, it's all in the Lord's hands and I belong to the Lord and God has just given me strength and God has given me the capacities and all. And they become actually better people. Some of the greatest people I know are people who have suffered incessantly through life. And through the suffering, there has been a depth Of character developed that is unparalleled By others who have never experienced suffering or sorrow Out of suffering, out of sorrow The roots can go deep into God And the life can become beautiful and strong and and powerful Or you can root into bitterness And your life becomes bitter and tight and tense it's tragic when a person gives himself over to bitterness. It's all in how you look at the situation. I can look at it and I can become bitter and say, if God loved me, then why did he allow that to happen to me? And my life becomes tense and I become tight and my Blood vessels begin to constrict and there's a, not a real flowing anymore and my whole life is so tense and I begin to actually get the effects of it physically. Or I can say, well... The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All things work together for good, and God has a plan, and he loves me, and I know that He's watching over me, and whatever it is, God's working out a plan in my life. Praise the Lord. God, you know that I need to have this worked out. You're just seeking to conform me into your image. Have your perfect work within my life, God, and I can become a better person and an open person and filled with God's love, and, and and I can flow out the beautiful fruits of of love and faith and hope to others. Naomi, for the moment, was responding in the wrong way. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Oh, sad. That's sad. When you've allowed the circumstances of your life to jaundice your feelings and you turn bitter against God and bitter against the circumstances of life. Naomi thought it was all over. She thought that was the end of the road. She didn't know the plan that God was working out. She said, I went away full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why do you call me pleasant? Seeing the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her. They came out of the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth in the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Boaz. So Elimelech had, and in the fourth chapter, uh, Boaz calls him our brother Elimelech. So a, a, a relation, perhaps a full brother, perhaps a half-brother, who became a very wealthy man, a mighty man of wealth. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean the ears of corn, after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Now, in the law, God made a provision for the poor people. There were welfare laws in those days. I think they are far superior to the welfare laws today. It wasn't just a give me or give out dole to people. But the law declared that when you had fields You could only harvest your fields once You couldn't go back through to pick the second time You had one shot at your harvest You went through once, that was it Nor did you pick up anything off the ground So that The poor of the land could come into your fields after your harvesters had gone through, and whatever wasn't ripe when they had gone through, whatever was there, was free for the poor people. And thus they could always go into the fields and they could come in after your harvesters. They could pick up any vegetables or any of the fruits or whatever that remained after your first once harvest through the thing. Then the rest was left for the poor. And thus were the poor of the land taken care of. It was a very excellent welfare law. The poor of the land were taken care of adequately by this law. If you wanted to eat, there was always food. You could always go out into the field and gather it after the harvesters. And so Ruth said to Naomi, I'm going to go out and glean in the fields after the harvesters. And it says, and it was her hap, or we would say today, it so happened that she was in the part of the field that belonged unto Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. It so happened, no, That's not so. Nothing just so happens. When we relate a thing, we say, well, you know, it was the strangest coincidence. But really, when you're God's child and God's hand is on your life, there aren't really coincidences. God's hand is in all of these things. Now, when God guides our lives... Somehow we've got a mental concept That in order for God to guide me There's got to be some kind of a mystical Spooky kind of an aura, you know Where you almost go into a semi-trance And a fog begins to sort of come around you And you hear a voice in the echo chamber And it says, go left, you know You know, and and you expect God to lead you in some kind of a mystical way. When in reality, God leads you in such natural ways, you say, well, it just happened that I was there at that moment, you know. For the last few weeks, my wife has been asking me concerning a doctor that was with us in Israel last year who Helped her when she broke her arm She said, I'm so concerned about him I wonder if everything is all right. I haven't heard We send them a Christmas card And we haven't heard I wonder, oh, I wonder how he's doing Have you seen? No, I haven't seen him Uh, I wonder how they're doing And she's been on to me for this for a few weeks
0: With more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of Ruth on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Ruth 1 through 2 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription.
1: Assimilate that which we have studied and may he bring to your remembrance those things which he has commanded and may you be enriched in the knowledge of God and his will and his plan for your life may the Lord be with you to bless you to guide you and may you be kept by that power of God through faith and trust in him In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. This Christmas, why not give the gift of God's Word by choosing the Word for
1: Today Bible, featuring Chuck Smith's notes highlighting a simple understanding of the Scriptures. This Bible includes an exhaustive concordance, cross-references, in-text and color maps, words of Christ in red, and Chuck Smith's commentary notes, including Hebrew and Greek word origins, and... In the Word for Today Bible softcover edition, we've included Chuck Smith's book, How Can a Man Be Born Again, which is very informative for a new believer. It's our prayer that as your loved ones read the Word for Today Bible, Chuck's commentaries will give a simple understanding into the scriptures, causing God's Word to come to life in their heart, not only drawing them into a closer relationship with the Lord, but stirring them to passionately serve God. For more information, please call the Word for Today at 800-275.
0: Or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org to read a preview.